Fierce Fan Media. Sounds like a plan. Well, we're not new here. No. I feel like, well, I feel like I'm new, like I'm a newbie. I know. I know. Oh my God, I just almost clicked leave meeting. <laughs> That's how new I am. God. <laughs> what should be Aaron's oh. penance for only returning now? Oh. I mean, I have a puppy. Can't that be enough? We have kids. <laughs> oh. And dogs. And dogs. Although I will say, I do, I, everybody that I've talked to has always been like, a puppy's worse than a newborn. And I'm like, why? But then I watched this TikTok where it was this guy talking about how like, does a, does a newborn, you know, chew your shoes up? Does a newborn shit on the floor? Does a new, and I'm like, huh. okay, but you can put a puppy in a kennel and walk away. Also, oh, yeah, the, the, the like puppy little training her. puppy stage is quick. Yeah. God, I it. hope so. Toddlers, oh, my yeah. little fucking tornado out there. Is a force to be reckoned with. Like after two. Kids are wild till five. (laughs) I agree. Like, I think newborns, like brand new babies, they're pretty. I mean, they're just eating and sleeping and like pooping. Like they're not doing a whole lot. But as soon as those little fuckers are mobile. Yeah, that's what Gail said. She's like, this is like a mobile toddler without a diaper on. And I'm like, oh great. (laughs) Awesome. Awesome. Although she's doing very well. I mean, she doesn't cry at all when we put her in her crate, which is oh, great. Good. Like she, that, that only took like three days because I did extensive crate training with her. Um, and she's only had like in the last five days, she's only had like three or four accidents in the house. So that's good. Progress. Um, yeah. But Hannah hates her. Still? Oh, oh, hates her. Hannah literally was on the couch today and Eleanor was like trying to jump up and like, just like, just antagonize her. You know, she's a puppy. And Hannah literally like came halfway off the couch and nailed Eleanor and like put her to the ground and like held her to the ground. And I was just like, oh, what do I do? What do you I didn't do? stop her, did you? Hell no. no she's no. showing her her place. Yeah, she yeah. is. And I'm letting it. I have never once stopped Hannah. The only time I did stop it was when Hannah had her down and she was yelping. Mm. So I just separated them. I did not correct Hannah. I just grabbed Eleanor and I took her away and she was fine. Nothing was wrong, but I was just like, <gasps> Alpha. You're doing everything right. So it'll be good soon. Mm-hmm. That's what I, that's, what I really feel like. I hope. I hope. I feel like it's, it will be. You know, Gail and I, and we're so separate schedules, right? So it's like Gail has the morning shift, which, which is when she's she's waking up and she's just like a crazy lunatic. And then I have the evening shift, which is when she's like kind of being like calmer. And I get to put her in bed and I'm like, Sayonara, sister, I'll see you in the morning. It's, <laughs> it's very, it's nice, but it's it's been a lot. You guys were not wrong when you told me that it's a lot. <laughs> it is a lot. It's a lot but we're surviving. <laughs> oh, well, I we're think. so glad to hear that. We've been so worried. I know. I'm sorry. I, I, I t- told Jackie last week, I was like, I can't wait to be on the podcast on Friday. Da, 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 da. Then I couldn't be on it, but I was just like, I miss you guys so much. I'm just like, I miss like that, like feeling of like talking to you all and loving you all. And just like being able to have these like cool, funny conversations. It's hard when you don't have them. <laughs> Totally oh, agree. Yeah. I feel right. disconnected. Just right. so the listeners yes. know, though, 
we feel disconnected, but it's not like we don't text all day long also. So it's Agreed. not like- <laughs> Agreed. Yeah. It's not but the it's same. just different. Yeah, it really is. It's just different. It's like being able to sit down and like see you guys and like be able to talk to you and just, you know, see your facial expressions and know that I'm not in a vacuum over here. <laughs> it's also casual conversation. When you text, you kind of have to think like, is this worthy of a text? Right. But when we're just chatting on here, it's like, oh, let me tell you this funny little thing that happened or right. blah, blah, blah. You know, like it's just chatting. Yes. You have right. our undivided attention. Yeah. Right. Um, good evening, everybody. <laughs> Welcome to the weekly wind down. I'm sure you figured it out by now. It's just the Aaron, Stacy, and I. So I'm Jackie D, the literary lesbian. I'm Stacy, the new age old school mom. And I'm Erin, the geeky gal pal. Julie's working. She may get on. Stacy's driving. The other Stacy's driving back from Disneyland. She got stuck in traffic. So we'll see if she makes it on or not. Uh, what are you guys drinking tonight? I actually like didn't want to open a bottle of wine because I have such a busy weekend. I don't want to like even chance a hangover. Um, so I made a drink. I'm trying to use my Ninja more because oh. um, I really only use it for smoothies. So I did ice rosé vodka fresh strawberries fresh kiwi and a little bit of a seltzer that i had it was like an orange flavored is it good yeah it sounds delicious yeah i'm like well this is something i'm gonna drink all summer (laughs) right i'm like bring it bring some over tomorrow we'll make it for poker (laughs) oh yeah what are you drinking aaron oh vodka I am drinking vodka, but I did uh, watermelon, basil, gray goose. Ooh, that sounds good. Okay. I'm stepping out. I'm stepping out, you know, yeah. but I needed, I haven't been drinking to be completely honest. I have not been drinking. So this is, there you go. This is the first one in a while. Did, did Kai tell you to stop drinking? <laughs> no, no, I would never pick up another beverage if Kai told me to <laughs> You're not on that list. Sober as a judge. Don't you sometimes <laughs> want to ask Kai, like, have I ever gotten close to that though? Like, has there ever been a point where you've been no. like, if they say one no. more thing, I'm going to tell that, you know? And also, to, for our listeners, it wasn't me that Kai told to stop drinking. Oh, Kai has told you to stop drinking, though. I've been there. Here's the best thing. Say that. Everybody else, all of our other friends, if Kai told them to stop drinking, they would stop dead in their tracks and immediately put down whatever they were drinking. I was sitting across the table from Stacey and Kai when Kai told her, because we had plans the next day. Stacey, well, Aaron was here. I was there, yeah. Yeah. So Kai told Stacey, like, you may want to think about slowing down because Stacey gets like the world's worst hangover. She can't do anything. She has to stay in bed all day. Like she's, she does not function. So Kai told her, you may want to start or stop drinking. And the look Stacey gave him was like, all right, motherfucker. And she was just like, (laughs) we'll see. And just kept drinking. Everyone was like, (gasps) that's Kai though. (laughs) Out the next morning, I I had to text Jackson and say, "Yep, I'm too hungover." Yep, like, couldn't go to San Francisco for a Jackie the Dwyer rolling tour bus. <laughs> to be fair, though, I've been drinking with Stacy since we were teenagers. She was already past the point of being. She was going to be hungover if she stopped then or kept going. Like Stacy well, was not well coming on that trip. Going. Yeah. Keep going, you know. <laughs> Stacy was not coming with us the next day. Uh, <laughs> That's when you broke my my grandpa's antique poker chips. 
oh, please don't remind me. That's yeah. sad. How was that night? My grandpa make, took them all the way to Korea in the Korean War. They made them all the way back for the last, whatever, 60 years and, and Copanger broke them. What I the think, it's not like I broke them all. Like, it wasn't like they're all ruined. It wasn't that bad. How many did you break? It was just the holder. Oh. Still. That's so pretty intense. And it wasn't even like, <laughs> oh, I was so drunk. I was knocking crazy stuff over. Like, it was legitimately, like, kind of early in the night, and it was an accident. I just knocked it down. Like That's not how I remember it. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I don't remember anything, so there you go. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're going to try something new tonight, and Aaron is going to lead the conversation. Uh, we're going to go over briefly part of the hearing because there's only been one so far. Um, and then I do want to talk about that list of 280 uh, pastors, 280-page uh, list of pastors that are now in trouble for sexual assault. Pastors, not priests. 280 pages. What? All right. Aaron, why don't you, why don't you go ahead and start us off? All right. So obviously, well, not obviously, but so the, the January 6th uh, committee hearings started uh, last night and I don't have a whole lot to say that hasn't already been said that we all, we all know, we've all been there, we all have heard and seen. Um, the One of the things that I want to talk about is the amount of new footage that was shown that I thought was just like, obviously just heart-wrenching. Uh, I cried watching it all unfold again. Um, I thought it was, it's so incredibly important for people to see this. Um, but the other thing that I wanted to say was that all of the news outlets obviously were airing it except for Fox news, which should be the one news outlet that should be airing it because like it literally came out in the open that there were numerous people around Trump that were saying this was not fraud, that the, the, the vote was, it was real. It was, it was fair. This was not fraudulent. Like people were saying this to him and they were on under oath saying that they were telling him this and he did not give a flying fuck what they said. So at the end of the day, it was really, it came to, came to fruition that it really was said to him that none of this was a fraudulent voter issue. Like nothing out of the ordinary happened that would have overturned any sort of, you know, anything in any of the key states. So I thought that was really, really crazy to hear it from like Ivanka, from Bill, Bar like, it's just so it's refreshing, to be honest. I mean, even though I was so happy to never see their faces ever again, it was just nice to actually hear that. But the other thing that I have to say is obviously, I agree with nothing that Liz Cheney stands for. Not one thing, not one thing, except for the fact that she cannot stand Trump as much as I can't, and as much as my fellow my fellow podcasters cannot. But it was just lovely to see her opening remarks because she did a phenomenal job. Um, one of the lines that she said that I thought was just so incredible was, "Someday Donald Trump will be gone, 
but your dishonor will remain when she was speaking to the Republicans that just do not fucking get it. And it just, it, it just was so well said and it, it will go down. I feel like in history is one of the most like amazing lines that's ever been uttered during this time frame in history. It just, it just was, it was really, really, um, I don't want to say incredible because that makes it sound like it was so good, but it was just like, it was, it's, it's lovely to hear that there are still some decent people that put country before politics, you know? So I just, I, th- I thought it was really cool, but that's, I really don't have a whole lot more to say other than I watched it. I'm going to continue watching it, even though it's hard to watch. It's so hard to watch. Uh, just Carolyn Edwards, Caroline Edwards, uh, one of the, one of the, uh, uh, Capitol police officers that was injured. Hang on was one there. second, Aaron. I'm going to play Liz Cheney's clip real quick so everyone oh, can hear cool, what cool. No, saying. you're fine. I, I say this to my Republican colleagues who are defending the indefensible. There will come a day when Donald Trump is gone, but your dishonor will remain. Finally, I ask all of our fellow Americans, as you watch our hearings over the coming weeks, please remember what's at stake. Remember the men and women who have fought and died so that we can live under the rule of law, not the rule of men. Ugh. I just chills. I just got chills again. I I wish I liked her more <laughs> as a politician because she just, um, she did a, a fantastic job. It's nice to see um, someone, I'm not saying that I don't like Nancy Pelosi, but it's nice to see someone else up there that uh, can take the microphone and lead and do a, do a really great job. It's, it's nice. Well, it's, it's important really nice. that it came from a Republican too. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. Even though they all, all the Trump they've censored her. Yeah. They don't, they don't, they don't care they do. what she has to her say. Her and but. Adam Kinsinger. Well, or Kins, mm-hmm. Kinsinger. Kinsinger um, yeah. I don't like Liz Cheney either. Like her and I agree on literally nothing like just in general except your hatred for donald trump (laughs) it's not even that i think that i don't even think that that's necessarily true i think she sees what a destructive force trump is to not only the republican party but to the country like i Mm -hmm. i think liz cheney is able to kind of she's not playing the base like the rest of them are i think her position is kind of like I'm not going to play this game to get reelected to, to incite the fears and, and stoke the fears and flames of the base. She's also in a little bit different position because she comes from a long history of very famous politicians. It's much more difficult to get rid of Liz Cheney than others because of fucking Dick Cheney. Uh, I mean, they fucking shot him and he still lived. So <laughs> um, I, I don't like to throw around the term like, oh, it was very brave of her to say that because like she's pretty much stating the obvious, but it is because she could lose her job. She's already getting death threats. There's all kinds of, of people, you know, threatening to kill her, hurt her family, all because she's saying, I, I, I have looked at all the evidence. I've looked at hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hours of evidence and testimony and this was a coup. And I I think we run into like a precarious situation when discussing January 6th, because I think a lot of people think of it just when we say 
January 6th is like a shorthand term for what happened that day. I think a lot of people think it was just about like the insurrection itself. Um, but what they're actually investigating is everything that led up to that point mm-hmm. and, and right. how intrinsic and involved um, leaders of the GOP, including Trump, were with what led to that day. So right. I know people, a, a common argument is, well, you can't blame Trump for the actions of people. And I, I don't disagree with that sentiment mm-hmm. had he not participated in all of this other shit leading up. Like he put so that. much, right. Yeah. So much wood on the fire and then threw gasoline on it and then walked away. And not just him. I'm not. Yeah. But Lord, I mean, just like. Lauren Bobert was giving tours of right. all of the places to go to like right. where everyone was. And I think it's good to see someone besides Nancy Pelosi speaking like this to the American people because right. she's such a, a cartoon character for the right that oftentimes mm-hmm. when she speaks, she's just discounted as being, you know, just a puppet or a, a talking head of the left, right. which I mean, isn't untrue, but like also sometimes it's, it's valid the points that, that she's making. So right. you know, I was, I was impressed with Liz Cheney. I've said that a lot in the last like six months and that makes me very uncomfortable. (laughs) I know, I know. know. Like I just, I like, I think Jean actually posted some meme that she did of like her and Liz Cheney, like they're, they're going to wed, you know? And I just like, I love the fact that like as a Democrat or as even just someone who can see the wrong of the Trump side of things can like, you know, joke around and like, say like, I, I don't agree with you, but I respect everything you're saying right this second, you know, like that's, I think the difference honestly between Trumpers and the rest of, you know, is like, this is what the truth is. Like we respect the truth. Like just because you know, you don't respect the truth. So you think nothing that anybody ever says that is against what you believe is right. And it's just, it was refreshing to be able to go, Liz Cheney? Well, and here's, here's the other thing that I think people need to be cognizant of as they start getting in these conversations with um, Trump adjacent family members or friends or whatever. Um, Number one, the only time Republicans are refuting any of this is when they're not under oath, they're not taking the stand, they're not defending themselves. Right. So they're able to, to come out and, and harness the media to spin their narrative, but none of them are doing it to the committee because they won't do it under oath because they know they're just fucking lying. Right. So they won't risk that. And two, when you look at Fox News who refused to air it and instead they aired uninterrupted Tucker Carlson, I can't think of anything less... Right, like what a horrific <laughs> to have to go through. Right, like, yeah. uh, well, here's the no interesting one thing too. Trumper household last night. They aired um, Tucker with no commercial interruptions yeah, because they couldn't the take the chance. Hour. Yeah, they couldn't right. take the chance of anyone switching the the channel over to right. to the hearings, which means they left millions of dollars unaccounted for in commercial advertising because that's how terrified they are of what's being said at the hearings. Those uh those home catheters didn't get (laughs) talked about last night. (laughs) Yeah it's uh 
it's pretty disturbing. Um, if you guys haven't watched any of it, um, there's some interesting part. I, I didn't get to watch the whole thing. I, I'm going to, I just haven't had the opportunity to do so yet. But um, when that police officer describes slipping in her coworkers blood and trying to stand up and that's pretty horrific. Actually seeing the footage from inside the riot is, is pretty horrific. Um, they also, they packaged it really well. I didn't feel the parts I saw anyway, they didn't feel too sensationalized or, um, like Hollywood edited or anything. It seemed like they were very much presented as evidence Mm -hmm. and you still got the feeling that this was like, uh, a Senate hearing not, or I guess a house hearing and not just something they put together for like dateline. Right. You know what I mean? Like it still right. felt there was no shock value on purpose. Right. It was just the shock value of the actual event. Right. Yeah. And when you kind of look at it and see just how involved this was and how long they were planning this for. Oh my God, right. And, and then that's like not... the part I was gonna say, like the part where Trump actually said maybe they're right. Maybe our followers are right about Mike Pence. Yeah, maybe they're not wrong. Maybe he should be hung because he didn't stop everything. Like, are you fucking kidding me? Well, I don't. I don't think that every single person that was there was in on the coup. I think some people got caught up in like what was happening and went with it. I think what they're discounting is the power that some of these Republicans have over, um, like hurting these masses. I mean, they they knew. Trump knew what was going to happen. He had been stoking those. He he had tweeted, come to the Capitol. It's going to be wild. He, he you know, um, said, I'm going to walk down there with you. We're going to go take it back. He told them to, not to be weak and that this was their moment for strength. He told them not to back down. He told them to go ahead and hang Mike Pence. He, you know, they were talking about the penalty for treason is death. And Nancy Pelosi's a traitor. Like all of these things, he was telling them that their democracy was, literally stolen from them. And the only way they were going to get it back was through force. That was the signals that he was sending. So I don't think that every single person there knew that they were going to like storm the Capitol that day. I think if you study mob mentality at all, and it's easy to get like swept up in that moment of this is what everyone's doing. But I think that people who planned it and instigated it are very well aware of how that mob mentality works and how right. it's easy to get swept up in it and how. And they used it to their advantage. They they knew that like we if we do this, if we go there and we start this, we're going to get people swept up in the excitement and the, mm-hmm. you know, your your democracy, your government is being stolen from you and you know, you get these quote unquote patriotic people all hyped up and, um, you know, that's, that's all it, that's all it takes. Like, remember what was that, that HBO special mm-hmm. that was just, you know, footage of, of the event, like that, like mob mentality, like you said, like they speak, they speak about it in that. And it's, it really is, it's frightening, but it's also something that, even though it's sad that it happened, I'm, it's almost like, I'm glad it did happen in the sense that like, that is how fragile this experiment, this democracy experiment really is. is 
I think one of the most eye-opening elements of what we've seen so far in the hearings is I don't think anyone was, I, well, I'll speak for myself. I wasn't fully aware of just how close we were to just like losing fucking everything. Like right. it, I, I, even I didn't suspect that the Republicans were so disgusting that they would have gone to the lengths that they did to put this into motion. Like it's, it's truly jarring as like a person. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, I think, I mean, listen, they've whittled it down to like in two hour digestible increments for you to be able to see basically highlight reels of what that, what they did was and Liz chain and Liz and Adam were the ones who were hosting, hosting, whatever, talking about what they picked, why they picked, whatever they, they took out what they thought was the most impactful portions so far. And they're, yeah, they're doing two in prime time and then four daytime ones. Right. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. So yeah, like the next one I think is Monday during the day. Yeah. It's going to be, it's just interesting. And I'm, I'm, um, you know, like Gail, Gail and I have talked a little bit about all of this, obviously. And like, she's very much not a Trumper, like, don't, but she doesn't want to watch it because I think it's like, it's a, it's reminding her of everything that happened. Right. Like, and it's so jarring and it's so scary. And sometimes it's easier to just not look, but like, in my mind, I'm so on the side of like, this is we're we're in for a real rude awakening in the next few years and we need to be prepared and we need to be ready to, to do what we need to do that I am going to watch these things. I'm going to make myself uh, digest the information, even if I don't like how it tastes. So it's interesting. It's crazy. You're an active part of a active member of society. Um, Cheers. (laughs) So to move on to something just as disturbing. Um, We never, we didn't talk about this when it it first released it because, you know, listen, it's hard to keep up with the shit show. So Southern Baptist leaders released a list, um, and I misspoke previously. It's a 205-page list that includes 700 entries um, of sexual assaults that took place from 2000 to 2019. Um, So what the, the... Southern Baptist church was essentially doing was they were keeping a running list of all of um, the predators that were in leadership positions within their church. And it totaled 700. And we're talking about um, these individuals uh, sexually assaulted children. They sexually assaulted adult women. They sexually assaulted um, teenage girls. They sexually assaulted. Is that 700? people 700 victims 700 charges what's the 700 um okay so let me read it to you so that i don't misspeak uh the 205 page database was made public late thursday it includes more than 700 entries from cases that span from 2000 to 2019 its existence became widely known Sunday when the independent firm Guidepost Solutions included it in a bombshell report detailing how the Southern Baptist Convention's executive committee mishandled allegations of sexual abuse, stonewalled numerous survivors, and prioritized protecting the Southern Baptist 
from liability. Uh, so I'm not sure if it's um, 700 different people or 700 allegations. Right. Uh, still, I don't know. Gross it number. Feels like a yeah. lot. Feels. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's see. 19. I mean, one or two is a lot. So 700. 700 yeah. divided into 19. Yeah. You're talking about at least 36 cases of sexual assault a year. Um, I think we can, and, and this comes on the, the heels, the, before the heels on the toes of the, uh, remember the, the kids at the, the, uh, the drag brunch mm-hmm. drag story time and how everybody flipped the fuck out about that and how, Oh my God, I can't believe you take your kids to a drag brunch, rah, rah, rah. And like, really so you like lauren what's her name bobert yeah big fat turd bert she says like oh you need to be taking your kids to church really should i because i don't feel like anywhere is safe to be completely honest i'd rather take them to a drag brunch where they're completely safe and loved and accepted for whoever whomever they are Sorry, well, like also, Jackie, can we retire the whole idea that we should be worried about uh, trans people in bathrooms when? Right. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. You this can't even go to church without being diddled. Like, come on. I mean, it, it's the hypocrisy for me. Like, well, and here's the most kind of like flagrant part. And I have zero, zero doubts that if you were to compare this against, you know, the archdiocese of the Catholic Church in Rome, I mean, I'm sure that list is could fill a fucking room of, of all of the sexual assault allegations and, and molestation charges that have been at the hands of Catholic priests throughout the years. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think they're better at, I don't know, keeping their files hidden because like, the fact that this came, I, I don't know, 205 pages to me is just so fucking egregious. And we're talking about from 2000 to 2019. And those were what was reported. So I feel like you could take probably 700 allegations and multiply that by probably two or three. And that's how many actually took place. Right. These were just the people that came forward because one of the, uh, some of the survivors spoke out and said, Brown, who has been one of the most outspoken survivors told investigators that during the past 15 years, she has received volumes of hate mail, awful blog comments and in horrific phone calls. So that's what that was the response to these parishioners. That's how the parishioners responded to the people who actually came out and and voiced their assault charges against these people. So yeah, that does not shock me. I think Which multiplying it by three is probably a conservative estimate. Um, yeah. especially because it's not like they got rid of these people. Yeah. I mean, it's so fucked up. It's so fucked up. Like. I can't, I, so I don't have kids. Right. But like, uh, if if, I know I I'm not hiding them, but if I did, right. And my kid came to me and said, you know, while I was at vacation Bible school, my, uh, my teacher, quote unquote teacher, um, took me into a room and just whatever, even just by themselves, I would feel very uncomfortable by that. Like, and is it because of who I am as a person? Is it because I, I, whatever, but I would, I would feel that like, cause I feel, you know, like in the Christian religion, right? Like 
Uh, I say that with quotation marks because I, I don't know how it, uh, like I quote unquote was saved as a child, right? Like I remember like I accepted the Lord Jesus into my heart. Like, and I remember going home and telling my mom about it. No, I'm, I'm a Christian, blah. But like at the end of the day, I did it in a group full of people, right? And I feel like it should be that way if you're going to go that route in your life. That being said, if something were to happen behind closed doors with someone, I just feel like anything behind a closed door with you and one other person just shouldn't happen. It just should not happen. And it's, God, that scares me. And it's just sad because these fucking well i think it's i think it's time we stop treating churches um and listen i you don't you don't need to fucking send me emails i know uh not all churches like i get it not every single person who's involved in a church or religion is a child predator i i believe that i don't think they all are i mean there's four thousand religions on the planet all right so um i do think though that it's time at least in america to stop uh, treating them as nonprofit organizations uh, where oh, they great. can so easily keep so much of their financial secret and their happening secret because they're not necessarily, or I shouldn't even say nonprofits. They're completely untouchable in the eyes of the law or the IRS or anybody else. And having that kind of cloak of secrecy um, is able to hide some really nasty, nasty secrets. And just beyond that, not that that should be enough, right? Like. Right. They talk and talk and talk about safety of children and their pro-life and blah, blah, blah. But then they they're sending death threats to kids that were molested by by their preachers. So I don't know how to reconcile that. But also we've all seen it now, the whirlwind of um, these evangelical preachers calling for the deaths of Democrats and to get out of their churches and that they don't belong here and they don't, you're not American if you're a Democrat and blah, blah, blah. Well, the whole, yeah, the whole reason that you don't have to pay taxes on your mega churches that are pulling in billions of dollars a year is because they're supposed to be non-political. You are not supposed to talk about state affairs or political uh, Mm -hmm. issues in, in houses of God. I think we're well beyond that now. I think the world is way too intertwined in the days of social media and, and the 24 hour news cycle. There's no way to be isolated from it. And I think we Mm -hmm. have to stop giving churches a fucking free pass and they should be paying their fair share. They should be taxed. Like this is insane. They should be subjected to the rest of the rules as everybody else. It's bananas to me that they are able to keep these things hidden for as long as they are because they have some type of fucking religious shelter that they're not, they're, they're not to be held to the same rules and standards as every other fucking company in this country, much less the world. So I, I don't know how, I mean, listen, this current Senate, this current Congress is not going to pass a rule saying that churches all the sudden have to fucking pay taxes or whatever. But right. I think it's time that we should start pushing that conversation because the shit they're allowed to get away with, they're allowed to threaten, harass, bully, sexually assault, um, they have put more trans and gay people in danger than probably any other humans in the modern world because mm-hmm. of the, the fucking hatred and, and putrid belief systems that, that they spew constantly. Like right. I, I just, when is enough enough, but it's the same thing as the school shootings, right? When is enough enough? It's just, when when it's is it so enough? Sh- right. It's shocking to me because it's, it seems so 
it seems so right like we've we've just it seems so against everything like quote unquote christianity stands for right like this this inert hatred right like this hatred of so many things like if you're not doing this like you're against god but like are you because like i feel like you just saying that is against god and against jesus and against his teachings and and i just i feel so um i feel so it's sad because i have some i have some really amazing people in my life that are Christians. And one in particular is probably the most Christian Christian that I've ever met in the sense that she, quote unquote, walks the walk, talks the talk. She doesn't hate a single person, right? And that to me, that's how they all should be. All Christians should be this, this, this kind of person. Like if you really, like your Christianity is yours, right? Like, Sure, you can talk about it and be evangelical, but at the end of the day, like, don't condemn other people for not believing what you believe. And that's how she is. She does not do that. But like 99% of the other people that I know that that are so crazy involved with Christianity are so much like not that. They do not understand that like, I don't want to go to church where I feel like I'm going to be attacked because I'm gay. Like, why don't you get that? Like some, so many people don't get that, but there are a select few that do. And it's sad that it's the same way with the fucking Republican party. Some are great, but most are bad. But even the good ones, it doesn't absolve them from having to pay taxes because that's not the world we live Agreed. in. Right? Agreed. Agreed. Like I said, Agreed. I don't think all churches are inherently evil or out to get anyone. And I know there's plenty that accept gay and trans people and they don't care what color skin right. you are. If you're a refugee or an immigrant or whatever, I know that some of those exist out there. And, but they still, we have still blurred the lines between, because even those, even those churches, even though I can sit here and say, yes, they're, they're out there doing good and they're trying to, you know, better humankind and they're accepting and all these things. Even they have crossed a political line though. Even they are, are touting liberal beliefs as opposed to conservative beliefs. And I don't think they should be absolved from the responsibility of taxation in this country just because I happen to believe with their viewpoints. Like, can I, can I ask, how did that happen? Like, when did that happen? Where, where we didn't, where we, where it was, whatever, churches don't get taxed. Um, do, do we know? I don't know if it's always been that way. Let me look it up. I just find that interesting because it's like, I feel like it's a, a lot of people have a problem with it too. It's like right it's a it's a thing that a lot of people are like well that's really unfair but it seems so untouchable especially when you see these fucking mega churches sometimes and you're like right like you like the the surprise it wasn't until the 1900s (laughs) what a fucking shock when we started bringing in jim crow and they needed to be able to start levying their their tax dollars for their duplicitous behavior ah well i also think too i also think to give them the benefit of the doubt okay i'll give them the benefit of the doubt here i also think there was a point in time where like the catholic church is responsible for a a pretty significant number of like hospitals in, in this country right right so i think the idea was if they're a catholic hospital and they're they're they weren't taxing churches because the idea is churches are supposed to be giving back to the community constantly 
Like they do charity work, they feed the poor, they, they run hospitals, they do all of this good work. So if you were thinking of it in like a purity form, it's kind of like, you know, how democracy in its pure form is perfect. Communism in its pure form is perfect. Socialism in its pure form is perfect. It's people that fuck it up, right? Like all these ideals and political influences and, and stances, if you weren't to have any interference, they would be flawless, but humans, men get involved and fuck it all up. So sure. Mm-hmm. I can understand where you would make the argument of we're not going to tax churches because look, they're running 47 soup kitchens, you know, and it's the great depression and all the tithings that it's kind of like a, a socialist mentality, right? You collect this money in, in large numbers from the community and then you disperse it, you redistribute the wealth to people that can actually use it. And that can, you know, it services the needs of the people that actually need it. Right. But that was before, you know, the 1970s, actually. Well, it was more, it was closer to the 80s when we started seeing these mega churches emerge, when you started seeing TV evangelicalism happen. Like it wasn't until that took place where they were preaching on TV and they were getting donations from all over the country that you start, started to see this truly corrupt um, uh, monetary influence take place. I'm not saying they weren't doing bad shit before then. I'm saying this is when they started taking in millions of dollars because you could reach a a preacher at any time of the day because they were on the fucking television 24 hours a day. They were collecting money from people in India. They were collecting money from people in, you know, Los Angeles, people in Nebraska. So it immediately multiplied their wealth by a a significant number because before churches would have just been your local community. Right. Like if you were giving money to the church where you live, it was probably going to the people who needed help where you live. Yeah. Right. But that's not the case with these mega churches. I was surprised to see like at my doctor's office, there were two like posters that said like their mission statement. And then there was another one that said like, kind of like in God, we trust type thing. And that it mentioned God. And I was like, Oh, that's weird. Like, I've never seen that in my doctor's offices before. I think I might change doctors. It was strange to me. And it's like a big, like, it's, it wasn't like a little clinic. It's one of the big chains, you know, like it it was a big hospital and it kind of weirded me out because I'm somebody that's very separate church and state, you know, because great. I don't care what you worship purple elephants type person where that's great. I don't, if that's something that helps you in life, everybody needs help in life. Everybody needs their thing that they put their faith into, or they put their hope into, or, you know, like we're very big in our house about like fate, fate, you know, fate works in mysterious ways and stuff's meant to happen. What's going to happen is going to happen and you go with it and you, you know, make the best of things. And that's just the way it is. Um, but don't push it on me, you know, don't put right. it in public. Yes. Don't. That's great. If that's what you need to believe in or want to believe in, but I don't push it on me and my family because that's not what we believe in. So seeing that in my doctor's office, like really weirded me out. Well, that makes me wonder how they're going to be. Well, I mean, California, your abortion like policy is written into your constitution, right? Like it's like you're allowed to get an abortion in California no matter what. We don't have any trigger laws and they're working on making it a 
uh, not just in our constitution, but a sanctuary state for okay. other people. So is, okay. so is, um, New York. Okay. So like my, my thought process with that is like in a, in a state where it's not like where abortion is still legal, but maybe not like the coolest thing ever, like a, a hospital that's a Catholic hospital or a whatever. Um, I've read that they're not giving If you go to a Catholic hospital here, they don't have to perform an abortion. Actually, I think it's fucked up. When I was uh, going through some stuff and had a a pregnancy scare thing and they were kind of saying like, do you know your options? And I was like, uh, I'm curious about abortion. Like that's something that like we can talk about. The nurse was very, we do not do that here. And it was a big hospital too. So I was kind of like, oh, I really do have to go search out like a Planned Parenthood, I think. Well, so the thing is the doctor can make that decision in the case of like it. So in your instance, if you were just like electing to do it, like they, 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 they have the option not to in like a regular hospital um, because you have to have like, you have to be certified abortion provider like you have to have all these things now had it been like an ectopic pregnancy they can perform that because that's a life-saving procedure so that's that's like elective abortion do are we only like able to go to Planned Parenthoods here in California no if you if you can go to a local provider that has someone there that's like certified to perform it if they're an authorized abortion provider then they'll do it but not all places have those because the licensing for it federally is so much more extensive so Uh, not all hospitals carry carry it so you do need to unless you're in a situation where you were they were saving your life yeah right I didn't so, know at the time what was going mm-hmm. on because I had my tubes tied for right. anybody that's listening. That's like, what are you talking about? I had my tubes tied and, and my HCG levels were high and they were like, um, so that's why, what happened. And I didn't know that if I could even carry a baby in that situation, because right. what's going to happen. So I was like, I need to know what my options are here. Right. And they were very adamantly like, oh, we definitely do not do that here. And I would, and it was scary because I've never had to look into getting an abortion before. Mm-hmm. I've been fortunate enough to never have to go down that path. So I was like scared of like, is this going to be something that I need to go do a backdoor thing for? Is this, I can't imagine being somebody in a situation like an abusive situation or something and having to go find where I need to go because I'm in a very healthy, stable marriage and had a, a health scare and didn't even know what to do. And it was like a, a scary situation. So mm-hmm. yeah, I was curious what, why that was. Yeah. They, they just need the special licensing and to be a provider service, unless it's a life threatening situation where your life is in imminent danger. And then um, any doctor could perform. Is that normal like throughout the United States or? Um, I, well, yeah, getting like federally licensed to perform it, that is normal. And because we probably have like the us, New York, Vermont, um, I think not Florida, um, (laughs) the states that are, are, it's easier to get one, like services are available everywhere. It's still, they have to be an authorized provider. So, which is one of the ways that they were able to restrict abortion so much is by passing these laws 
um, because they make it really, really, really difficult for places to get these certifications. Like it's, it's really fucking hard. You have to have doctors that are certified to do it. You have to have doctors that are on a list. And once they're on a list, that means they're publicly searchable, that these are people that perform abortions, which means it opens them up to harassment It opens them up to threats. It opens them up to all these things. They have to keep up certain licenses at different hospitals. Like they have to perform a certain amount of hours and like surgery and other hospitals. Like it's, it's difficult to keep up your licensure licensing, for it. Mm-hmm. So, um, they make it really, really hard in, in some locations. Uh, they oh. started passing all these laws where even the smaller abortion clinics where they were making like hallway regulations saying like, you have to be able to fit a gurney down, um, down and up the hallway for us to license you. Um, and like, if you're a small, like Planned Parenthood, that's, I mean, you've seen some Planned Parenthoods, they're in like these little buildings they would have mm-hmm. to completely retrofit their building to meet these standards uh, that these states were requiring to even be able to be a certified abortion clinic. So the they, most I know about Planned Parenthood is what I've seen in Juno <laughs> when she goes in to talk to the lady and like there's like people. Your outside. baby has fingernails. Your baby yeah. has fingernails. <laughs> um so totally off the topic but i have another question about california being like different than everybody else because we're amazing um totally random question but you know how when you go into like a cannabis store they scan your id Mm -hmm. every single time you walk in do you think that we're going into like a database to like be watched like because it's only like state legal and not like federally legal i don't know scan your driver's license to get fucking pseudofed mm-hmm. that's true but that's yeah. to regulate so that you don't buy too much in one year so they can put you on a watch list for making meth they don't even scan your license to get a gun do they <laughs> i don't know um I'm not sure. I don't know if it would be there. It's an extra safety check to make sure that your ID is valid and that you're of age and you're not like faking it to get in. I don't know if it's to track you. I mean, it could be, Um, but I have yet to hear of anyone like being denied something because anyone, because someone said like, oh, you came up in the pot database and like, you're not going to be allowed to do this. Like I feel like it, it feels like conspiracy I'll even be to, like to think about like oh I'm getting put into like a database to like go, even just to walk into a cannabis like store but like at the same time my mom was saying well maybe it's because you sign like a thing when you buy a gun that says that you like don't recreationally use pot so like maybe it's gonna put you on a federal like watch list to not be able to buy a gun or like whatever and I'm like I don't know. Maybe that's something like we could research and talk about sometime. Cause yeah, I don't know. I don't know. They, when I lived in Pennsylvania and if I bought wine at Wegmans, they would scan my license, like to check my ID instead of just punching in my. Yeah. I've done that. Where they've yeah. it so to, I don't know if it's just a target. way. Yeah. I don't know if it's just a way to verify that it's a real ID and it's not a fake one. Yeah. I've been, I, they put like scan my ID. Like when I go into a casino sometimes. Like mm-hmm. when I'm on the ca- casinos, like in Indiana, where like you uh, pass a th- certain threshold, like you're only allowed past this point. So they do ID scans. So I don't yes. know if you're necessarily in a data. I mean, let's be real. You probably are. 
like, but at the end of the day, like, what is your information being used for? Might right. just be for that particular store's information. Like, this person right. something shopped here. Kind of so think cool. about if you're somebody that you know, it kind of like being on this podcast. If you're somebody that's going to run for Senate, you show you don't want to be on this podcast. But like, kind of like that. Like, I just wanted to tell you guys, I'm gonna, I'm not gonna be back on the podcast. I'm running for Senate. <laughs> if you're somebody <laughs> like, that's worried, or if you're gonna apply for a job to go through like the police academy or something, like maybe you shouldn't go into like a cannabis store in California. You know, like I wonder if it's something time, like why out. not? Like it's legal. Like that's where it's, it's not federally like- legal. So yeah, but at the same like, time, like if it's legal and where I live, like I should be able to do whatever the fuck I want, right? right like, that's how I feel too. But it makes yeah. me a little bit like hesitant. Nervous. Like, <laughs> uh, I kind of weird. I know. Okay, One of my so... really good friends just got her like medical info, like her medical, you know, whatever card for Florida because it's only medically legal here, which is so weird. It's like, come on. Yeah. But she's like it's the best thing that's ever happened to me and I'm like <laughs> how and she's like well first of all you get 50% off your first time shopping I'm like oh my god everybody it's gets amazing. like a free sample when they go in I, anyway. I'm like what the hell I gotta go I gotta get my medical license anyways Jackie carry on um so in Oregon they scan your ID um but they don't keep any of your information. They scan it because there's state laws that state how much a dispensary can sell in any one day. Oh, so that they're not that doing like sense. big, big deals. So the Vera scan is who they use. It doesn't hold any of the customer's information. It's just uses like customer, whatever, 14772 bought whatever, an eighth at 1142. And it makes it a total. And they have to turn those into the state to prove that other following the guidelines. They're also cash only, like all of them, which I think is kind of not, interesting. Not Cocoa Farms. Oh, really? All the yeah. ones that, all the ones I've been in two. But when I like talked to my friend about like, it was a weird experience because my husband and I just went into one randomly because we were in town and I was like, oh, I've always wanted to see what it's all about. And we walked in and it was very official and very weird and like strange. And like, so we were asking about it and like, it was cash only. And so they said, oh yeah, it's, it's always cash only like everywhere out here. So the, so it's not cash only. So if you use your debit card, they have to run it. They have to run it as an ATM. So you're going to get an ATM charge and that's across the board everywhere because it's not federally legal. So when you go anywhere in any state where it's legal, they're going to run your card. Like you, you can only use a debit card. You can't use a credit card. So if you use a debit card, they have to run it as an ATM. So it's technically cash. Our county is cash only. And they all have ATMs at the door. Okay, oh, okay. so right. I just looked up the thing. It's actually illegal for them to keep any information. Um, what they're doing is they verify your age, uh, and they do that uh, as another record tool showing that every everyone that came in was of age according to the barcode. Because if they even have one underage person, they can lose their license to sell weed. All right, that makes so, sense. It's all about tracking for the state laws that have passed, but they're not permitted. Like they don't hold, it's kind of like 
at work, if I take someone's credit card, we have these regulations that even though I scan their credit card in, our system doesn't store their information. It just processes it through um, their credit card company. And like, if I went to pull up their credit card information, all I can see is their last four. It would have to go back through that uh, credit card company to retrieve any of their information to like refund them anything. And I still don't ever see it. So it's not, it's just a verification tool to ensure age so they don't lose their license. And in certain states, there's weed limits that a person can buy and weed limits yes. that a dispensary can sell. Right. That makes sense. I think in like so Michigan, Michigan has like a limit of how mm -hmm. much you can buy. For sure. Like, uh, like yeah. it would be real easy to go in and buy a bunch of stuff and then resell it and make money. And of course. You can but resell it to kids money. too. Like, yeah, my oldest when she joined the military had to sign the contract that says I will not in the time before I leave for boot camp, get a tattoo, get pregnant, get, you know, all this stuff. And I told her, I said, you know, one of those things, you know, I, I promise I will not get in trouble with the law. And I said, you probably shouldn't go into one. Like, obviously she can't smoke weed because she's going into the military and they drug test like every week. But like, she, I said, don't go into one because if they scan your ID. I don't know where that goes. And I don't want you to get into trouble. And she's like, oh, okay. Cause I'm thinking it's legal out here and everybody like, you know, all her well, friends. It's probably better to be safe than sorry at this point. Right. Like, you no, know, like I'm sure yeah. her friends go there. So. so it's kept in a third party system that has PCS protection on it that you can't just access. No one can access it. I mean, I guess the federal government could if they had like a warrant or something, but they would need probable cause to get a right. warrant. So yeah, I don't think it's as nefarious as it, it probably feels nefarious. Well, we're also still in the generation of we're just becoming accustomed to it's legal now. Yeah. So right. it's like, like so it's always, nervous. it's always, always a little nervous. sketch to like, yeah. you always feel like you're kind of doing something wrong. Totally. Um, yeah. what, what are 100%. you guys obsessed with this week? Oh my God. Um, so my oldest just graduated and we had her graduation party on Saturday. Well, we have two, we have a family and a friend one, the friend one, like I'm so blown away by the amazing friends I have. Like everybody came to celebrate with her, the generosity of what they her. but also the thoughtfulness and some of the gifts that she got I like teared up because I'm like well she's like opening her cards and stuff the next day and she's looking at some of the things like we have a friend that wrote her like a two-page letter about life and you know like it was kind of like you remember that always wear sunscreen thing mm -hmm. that went around like around the time we graduated it was kind of like that and it was so sweet and then another friend gave her a shoebox of all the things that he's gathered on his journeys because he's very eclectic. He like does the van life thing. He's lived in a tent for like a year. Like, and so he's gathered all these things that have helped him on his journey and he put them all in the shoebox for her. And it was so cute. And then another friend got her a journal and she filled out the first page of just like advice, you know. And asked her to like write in the journal everything she thinks like starting out her adult life so that she can look back on it. And just, I posted this a long time ago. I saw this meme that said, in loving my kids, you love me. In a roundabout way, it said mm -hmm. that. And I just felt that so much. Like my friends 
just blew me away with their like love and generosity to my kid. And it just, we grew up with her. I know. (laughs) She's like all of our kids. (laughs) Like some of the people I forget that, like, they've known me my whole life. So even though I don't know them very well, I haven't seen them very much in the last few years that I remember they know me really well. And I'm like, right. And she's like, that's so crazy to me. She's like, I have all these close people, like this tribe behind me that I don't even realize sometimes. And I'm like, yeah, that's so like, cool. Yeah, I just, I felt the love and it was really, really moving. And I, I appreciate that. I really wish I could have been there, honestly. Like, yeah, me too. I, I don't know Lex super well, but the couple times I have been around her, like she's so. I don't like she's so easy to love like you just connect like it doesn't matter what you're where you're coming from like she just connects with you like it's yeah, she's an old that's har- <laughs> it's hard to find really in in today's generation is that like you can connect with someone and like find something to talk about find something to like be excited about with and that's that's so refreshing and I mean to be honest both of your kids are amazing and Lex is gonna do amazing fucking things which I think is really phenomenal to know that I I knew her when (laughs) that's cool Aaron what are you obsessed with so I'm obsessed with Stranger Things um I finished the first half of season four did you Stacy, no, we Kira and I started from the beginning of season two because we didn't okay. want to blow through the first half of season oh. four so fast. We wanted to like slowly like right. relish in it, and so right. we started. We blew through season two in two days, and we're oh trying to slow down and just like slowly watch season three and right. then get into season four because the next one, the next part comes out like what July first. Yes, so we're like trying to like be slow and take our time because we're just enjoying it so much honestly so this is what I did so I watched season three and then season four first half came out and I was like okay I'm gonna start it so I started it and the first episode was a little slow and I was like but then obviously it picks up I'm not gonna say anything but so I finished it I loved it I'm like it's so fucking good it's so but good it's so good so then I was like you know what I'm gonna go back to season one so I started season one like last week sometime so now I'm like getting through season one I just started season two um I just it's so amazing how these th- this story continues on but everything changes you know what I'm saying yeah, like it's yeah. like everything connects but everything's changing and I love that. I love it so much. I love, love, love it. It's just so incredible. And I, I'm really, really, really happy with like this viewing experience regardless, but like knowing that like even season four is still just as good as season one, yes. which is so not normal for TV shows, right? Like you yeah. always have a season that you're like, ah, fuck that season. No, every season in this yeah, is amazing. Fuck that season. Well, right. I feel like the, the storyline is kind of almost second to everything else about the show. The characters right. are amazing. The kids, yes. you get to watch the kids literally and grow up. And their development. 
right their development, development. Oh, the, so the little like bits of nostalgia you get right. from <laughs> the characters being right. kind of 80s characters they have like wesley from princess bride as a character right. yes. um what's his name bob from the goonies yes. as a character yes the goonies yes and they did so well capturing the 80s watching yes. it feels like you're watching an 80s movie mm-hmm. and it feels so like nostalgia of i'm watching an 80s movie sitting in the 80s right now like Right. That part is half the fun of watching it. Well, and then even going into season three and season four when they're like going into the 90s, right? Like you're like, oh my God, the fucking leg warmers and the and the hair and the side ponies. And you're just like, oh my God. Like everything is just perfect. It's so perfect. And these kids, like, they're just so amazing. These little actors that they've become are just, they're just phenomenal. They're just really, really amazing. And I'm telling you right now, season four is going to don't even put socks on because it's going to blow them right off. Like, it's, <laughs> it's, it's almost it's like, it feels like when you watched Harry Potter, the kids were right. so little in the first ones. And then when you watch the last ones and right. you see that they're little adults now and you're like, you right. just watch these kids grow up. Right. It's the same thing. Exactly. You see them it go is. through the change of growing up so much. Yes absolutely absolutely and i think too like what's really exciting is knowing that like well i this is also weird because right like it like they had to film it and then stop filming and then film and then because of covid so it's like the the difference in their age between season three and season four is just it's huge right but it's so cool because you do see them become these adults like they are these young adults in this and it's it's just fun. It's just a fun show. Yes. And it's fun to see something so science fiction be so mainstream. And I love it. I absolutely love it. I'm so excited for you to get to season four. And I can't wait to discuss it with you. I'm like really excited. <laughs> I have other things that I've watched, but this is what I'm obsessed with. So Jackie, that's all you. Um, I watched this week. I watched the first lady on Showtime um Ooh, how was it it was fucking phenomenal uh so it focuses on michelle obama and um uh eleanor roosevelt and um betty ford are the three first ladies that they focus in on this time and i was so happy to see that they included the relationship with hick and eleanor because you know, it's always up for historical debate whether or not they're going to uh, reference her affinity for women or if they're just going to stick to the uh, story that her and FDR continued to tell the world. And they included it and they did it in a really tasteful way um, where you kind of see how it came to happen. And it wasn't just a frivolous, like, split second decision on anyone's part. Um, Betty Ford. I didn't know a lot about her uh, because Gerald Ford was such like a a brief snapshot in time for like an American president. He was only in for three years. He replaced Nixon. He lost to Carter. Like it was only three years in and out. I didn't realize how much Betty Ford did for feminism. And that's my bad. I I should have learned more about that and um, kind of what a prolific figure she was for the time that she was first lady and all of her kind of personal struggles. And can I just say Michelle Pfeiffer playing her 
Michelle Pfeiffer does not get enough credit for being an excellent actress because she is so good. I mean, yes, Michelle Pfeiffer is very pretty. That's not groundbreaking, but like, Grease too. Huh? I said Grease too. I mean, we all know, we all knew she. Was, I mean, of course, she was gorgeous, yeah. especially when she was yeah, younger. I mean, she's yeah, but she did such a phenomenal job acting. Um, I, it was really, really impressive. Viola Davis. Um, She's always impressive. She plays Michelle Obama. And I'm going to get a, give her the benefit of the doubt because I think it would be very, very difficult to play someone who's still alive in such an iconic, like, public figure as Michelle Obama is. But she kept doing this thing with her lips that almost like, pulled me out of the character of, yeah. of it. Yeah. Um, and I, like don't think they, I don't think they got the person, the person who played Barack, I don't think was a good call either what, and it, who was it wasn't it the guy from know. handmaid's tale yes okay not a great barack obama though yeah. i'm gonna say it um which was disappointing because michelle is one of the main reasons that we gay marriage was supported by barack obama and so they were kind of telling that story and like it, it was it's so uh intrinsic to like modern day that and I was so excited that Viola Davis is playing her because I love oh, right. Viola Davis. I love I take her. a bullet for her. Yeah, I take a yes. bullet for her. And yeah. if you just took away the lip part, it would have been spot on, but I couldn't like pull myself out. Of That's it. how I feel about Perry Washington on Scandal. She mm, does no. repeat lip thing so much that it takes away from her character for me. Well, yeah. after the first lady came out, like after the episode da 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 like she got a lot of lot it's, of flack it's it. jarring because it's so obvious and it's i think one of the reasons it's so obvious because and listen i would have i would take a bullet for michelle obama i like michelle obama way more than i like barack obama and um i never noticed michelle ever doing that with her lips like ever so it's, it was weird to see it like be such a huge part of the character because I'm like, oh, she doing? did it because Michelle does that? I guess. I've never noticed Michelle doing it, though. I think oh. there's a I, I hate to say this and this is going to sound really bad because I love Michelle Obama, too. I saw her speak at uh, Dreamforce, the Salesforce conference in San Francisco a few years ago. Like I literally cried like it was it was amazing. But her teeth are not the greatest i'm not saying that there's anything wrong with that they're just not like perfectly straight they're whatever that being said viola davis's are so mm. i think there's like this like weird like she was trying so hard to get her mouth right that it like took away from her acting you just don't you don't expect it from viola davis for something like right. that to be such a big part of her performance because she's so talented like right. so so talented also viola davis is 5'5 five, five. michelle obama's 5'11 so it's a little bit Very like tall. yeah it just wasn't i i don't know it, Still worth Maybe it. Maybe it wasn't her her role. It wasn't Viola Davis. She role, she, per, she executive produced it, so I think she had a big part in it. But it right. like um, the storylines are all very very good. Still totally worth watching. Um, the Obama storyline is still excellent. It's just. Just know that going in and maybe it won't bother you as much because I did not know that going in. And I kept, I was like, the fuck is she doing with her mouth? Like, why does she keep doing that? <laughs> like, what is happening here? Well, I think too, like, you know, like, um, did you watch American Scandal, uh, the, the FX, the, you know, mm -hmm. um, okay. 
So it was Bill Clinton and Edie Falco played Hillary Clinton. Like Edie Falco and Hillary Clinton look nothing at all alike, I don't think. Mm -hmm. And I don't think they looked anything alike in the show. Like she just was Hillary Clinton and you knew it was Hillary. Like that's how I feel like Viola should have played it. So I know like- I'm Viola Davis. I'm playing Michelle Obama at the end. I don't need to make myself be such a mirror- Right. Well, especially you're playing someone who's still and not just like because I watched Will Smith's um, the Venus sister story, which was fucking phenomenal, by the way, if you guys haven't watched that, it was so good. But um, but it was. um, So I get it. It's difficult to play people who are still alive, but it's even more difficult to play people who are still alive that were on TV every day for eight years. Like, right. There's, iconic there's like, no every person knows right. Person. <laughs> right right like julian anderson played eleanor roosevelt and i thought she did a f- phenomenal job and Kiefer, Kiefer sutherland played fdr and i was like there's no way this motherfucker is going to get his speech pattern right because he had such a distinct cadence for those that don't know fdr is one of like i think the most interesting presidents that we ever ever had he did some really dumb shit but he also is responsible for a lot of good shit that we have in this country, like single-handedly responsible. So I've watched him watch lots and lots of videos of him speaking and, and talking and his cadence is very, very specific to him. And Kiefer Sutherland crushed it. Like it was so good. So good. I think and Jillian he's, Anderson, he's such a phenomenal actor. And yeah. I don't think a lot of people, she even got the way that. like Eleanor Roosevelt had a real distinct mouth, like, the way she would, when she would rest and be thinking her, her mouth took a really distinct form and she pulled it off, which I I was just really impressed. And even if you don't like history, these stories are incredibly interesting, like incredibly interesting. And, um, you can see how they all shaped how we are right now, like all of it without getting too much in the weeds of policy politics and what i liked about him is this is the first show that i've watched about first families that focused on the women i mean yes the husbands are in them obviously they're the presidents like of course they're fucking in them but i had no idea how much these women influenced policy that exists today like truly they are the reason i want to go watch it right now oh my god it's so good it's so so good so showtime right yeah Okay. Before we get off, can I give a shout out because it's Pride Month? Um, Rebel Wilson coming out. Oh, oh yeah. Right. Well, I didn't have that on my bingo card, but I'm happy right. about it. Yeah. Right. So happy about love it. her because like I feel like her journey through weight loss, which started in 2016, has been so real. And her talking about like the struggles, how she's treated different now, and how she's loved herself at every like stage of her weight and it always reminds me of when she says in pitch perfect like you guys are, you guys have fat hearts you know when she said like, that beat. <laughs> yeah. I feel like that's like when you're overweight like when you're a plus size person you go through different struggles in life than people that have never been overweight mm-hmm. and I feel like she's kind of saying like like you have to be louder and funnier and give off more personality because you don't get by with your looks it's and the way she talks about like oh you all have fat hearts meaning you're all good people like whatever so I feel like she's 
she is totally true to that saying. Mm-hmm. Right. And she, we just watched her new movie. I think it's on Netflix. Us too. It was real funny. Yeah. It was, was it funny? I really want to watch it. Senior it was year. Right? It was fine. Yeah, it was funny. School. Yeah, yeah. And she is like set up to be, um, like prom queen, and she is the most popular in the school. And then her rival drops her during a stunt, and she is in a coma for like twenty years. Comes out of the coma, goes back to the high school to get her. Why is that ED. my life? I feel. Like- <laughs> so my life like so cute i thought it was really cheesy and like silly but it's so cute and it has such a good like little storyline behind i just love her it was so her coming out also really cool love the way she came out it wasn't a big deal it was like two lines yeah, right, like yeah, I was looking for a it wasn't some on my Disney princess. It wasn't some was dramatic like, speech given at like right. HRC or Glad. There's nothing wrong with that, but like it was such it like a normal like, Instagram post. Like, right? It wasn't like this is my personality now. Like, I feel like right. JoJo Siwa made it her personality a lot. Where now yes, she's I all about pride and this and and you know like this is who I am now and I'm all about it which is great like you should be very proud of yourself like of course yeah you should be that way but the way she just kind of did it was like oh by the way I'm gonna date a girl now so right it's happening right you know not like bam in your face this is all I am about right now like just I don't know she just I loved it yeah. No, it was very well. I mean, I don't want it. It's very well done, but it was very well done. It was very tasteful. Yes. It was very much her. Like, as I feel yeah. like she plays so many outlandish characters that people just automatically assume that's her. But like when you hear her in, in like interviews and stuff, she's actually very like, like reserved. Like she doesn't, that's not who she is. So like, this was so much her, like, you know, I was looking for a Disney prince, but I found my Disney princess. Like, boom, done. Mic That's drop, it. walk away. And also, they're both yeah. beautiful. <laughs> like, um, yeah. well done, A+. plus. You fucking snagged yourself a uh, a 9, and you're a 10. Like, good job. Like, they're both 10s. I love them. I'm so happy. I love it. I love it, love it, love it. And it just reminded me of the scene in Pitch Perfect when she's like, Let's be honest. Like, I just. <laughs> Pitch Perfect, such a great movie. Such yeah. a great movie. Like, what a fucking movie that just came and like swept people away, right? Like, I think it's better than perfect. Bridesmaids. Uh, I'm going to disagree with you on that. Okay. One. I think they're too. I think they stand on their own. They yeah. Stand no, on their I own. think Pitch Perfect is funnier than Bridesmaids. Mm, gotta disagree. Gotta disagree. Okay. It's part. And I love I, Maya Rudolph. Okay, first of all, the scene in the plane. <laughs> there's a colonial woman on the wing. She's churning butter. She's in. I think the problem colonial. is, what's her name? Wig. What's her first name? Kristen. Kristen, Kristen. Wig. I can't fucking stand her. Oh, so I, like, I yeah. I, I mean, not like, not like how I feel about Liam Neeson, but I don't think she's <laughs> funny. I hate oh, I Liam do. Neeson. I can't. I cringe when I see him. Same with Mark okay. Wahlberg. Oh, wow. yeah. Mark Wahlberg. I feel like and Mark Wahlberg plays the same person every single movie. That's oh, how I, I feel about him. Jason Bateman, but I love it. <laughs> yeah. Jason Bateman, always the same. Always. But, but, but Jason Bateman is intentionally funny. Like that's part right. of Mark right. Wahlberg no, is funny. <laughs> 
No, I agree with you. He's trying to play like these serious No, I'm not a huge Mark Wahlberg fan, but I am a big Kristen Wiig fan. And Annie Mumolo and her are the writers of Bridesmaids and also Barb and Star go to Vista Del Mar. So I'm I'm a huge, I'm a huge Kristen Wiig fan. Like I could take her leave. I love that Dominic was sing part. Oh. Which is like, oh, you're doing it. You you're you're doing, doing it. Oh, you're doing it. <laughs> I think she's just kind of she just kind of grates my nerves. I wonder I'm not- why. I'm not a huge fan. She's fine. I I, I loved her on that. SNL though. Like SNL, like those years with her and and, and my Rudolph. <gasps> yep. yes. A lot of it's too slapstick for me. Wow. Yeah, it's yeah. real hit or miss. Hit or miss for me. Some of it's yeah. very yeah. very funny, and I watch, some of it is not. I watch yeah. every episode, not always when they air, but every episode all right we should get um, off we, we're talking too long now we can talk about this oh my later. god i'm so sorry i love you guys why are you not we're not actually hanging <laughs> have a good weekend everyone <laughs> sorry, Bye, mom. Minute. goodbye Bye, she hasn't I been here in so long she forgets how it goes fierce fan media